Talk Recorded live. Hello, everybody. Today is April 13th, 2015, and this is The Mixed Experience, a weekly podcast by a mixed chick sharing mixed thoughts about a mixed-up world, and it's the only live weekly show about being racially and culturally mixed. I'm your host and resident mixed chick, Heidi DeRoe. Today, we have a really fantastic guest to talk about the mixed experience, but I do have just a couple of announcements beforehand. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably have heard me mention this before, but if this is your first time listening, then you have to know about this. I am an author, and I am a podcaster, but I'm also someone who has to love called the Mixed Remixed Festival, which happens each year in June in Los Angeles. And it's an amazing day of events where we celebrate stories of the mixed experience through films, books, and performance. It's happening this year, October 18th, 2015, at the Japanese American National Museum in downtown Los Angeles. And you should know that we have revealed our you can go to www.mixedremix.org to see all of the wonderful people who will be highlighted and doing presentations and performing. By the way, this is all free. It's a totally free event. And um, and it's a labor of love. And it's an all-volunteer project. But all of those things add up to the fact that we still need to raise money to put it together. We're running an Indiegogo campaign right now. We're exactly halfway to our goal and we're also actually halfway through our fundraising period. We have 20 more days to raise just a little bit under $5,000. This donation to the full extent of the law, blah, 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 blah. We're a 501c3 nonprofit arts organization. You could really get some great perks like having dinner with Keegan-Michael Key of Key & Peele. Come on, guys. You and a friend could do that. That would be amazing. We have Matt Johnson's new book, Loving Day, available to you as a perk. And we have day sales. Uh, Go on over to the website, mixedremix.org, and uh, you can click through there to the Indiegogo campaign. We would much appreciate your help in any amount. Uh, And we mean any amount, $5. If all of you guys listening gave $5, we'd make our goal easy. Okay, I'm going to stop now because we have a really great guest and I want to be with her as possible. She is uh, Jennifer Tiege. She's worked in advertising since 1999 and lives in Germany with her husband and her two sons. She studied for four years in Israel where she learned fluent Hebrew, a degree from Tel Aviv University Middle Eastern in Africa. And she has an amazing first book that she's written with Nicola Selmar. It's a memoir. It's called my grandfather would have shot me, a black woman discovers her family's Nazi past. And it's all about how she discovers that her grandfather was a, a Nazi officer who did really bad stuff, but that just sounds so simple. Um, she's going to tell us more about it. And I just so you know, this is a super compelling read. It left me a ton of at the end, which I think is what all great books do. It's already an international bestseller, and she's kicking off uh, a U.S. tour across the country. I am um, super pleased to welcome to the Mixed Experience, Jennifer Teague. Hi. Hello. Uh, Thank you for having me here. 
I was able to join us, and yeah. um, I I have a lot of questions for you, but I do have to start off with my traditional first question that a lot of mixies in the United States get, and it is this: What are you? Um, I love this question because I read a quote of yours, and you said, "I have a fluid identity," and this perfectly matches what I would say. I am German, but uh, I never really felt German. I'm biracial, and uh, I'm a mother. I'm a working uh, a woman who works. Um, but uh, there's so many aspects to my personality that it would be difficult just to give you an explanation to this short. <laughs> well, I, I no, I totally agree. I always feel like our guests need to give essay answers to this question, <laughs> and in fact, <laughs> book length answers to the question. And, and in fact, you, I mean, in your memoir, my grandfather would have shot me, a black woman discovers her family's Nazi past. You try to tackle just one aspect of your identity. Um, you're, you're a grown person. You actually know a little bit about your, your mom and your grandmother having known them, but you were adopted by a white German family, and you... I, I'm not sure exactly how old you were when you discovered this, but shockingly, you find a book that's about yeah. your mom. And tell, tell me a moment, kind of set the stage. I'll tell you a bit more about it. I found a book, um, a biography about my mother when I was 38. So this was a shock because I had no knowledge that there was a book existing um, about my mother and a book that, that told my family's, like my biological family's history. Man needs to know that I was adopted when I was seven years old. I was before at, a, uh, at this very same family as a foster child. So I only had limited contact with my biological family for all these years. And finding out at 38, so late in my life, uh, so um, disturbing facts about my biological family was very difficult to cope with. I, I can't imagine. I mean, I had a hard time turning 40 just because I was getting older, and all of a sudden it rocks your world. But I'm, how how could you how could you process this? I mean, what were the first steps in you recognizing that yes, in fact, this was your family? And then, how, what were the first steps in one you're just dis- discovering more about your family, but then journey toward healing? Yeah. In the very beginning, I, when I discovered this book about my mother, I also discovered the fact that my grandfather was Amon Kurt. And he's known to uh, to many people because he was a, a portrait in the movie Schindler's List. So I knew about my grandfather, but I never knew, or I had no knowledge that he was part of my biological family. And uh, I, in the very beginning, I was very... Um, yeah, very, very distracted, and I was very uh, much um, disturbed by the fact that there was a, such a family member um, in my family, and uh, because I found out so, so out of the blue, I also first thought I might um, have something of him within me, which was even more, um, uh, yeah, petrifying. So there were a couple of things that I had to solve um, with the course of time to re-somehow structure my thoughts and to um, come to to yeah to closure in regards to my grandfather, but also in regards to the other family members 
uh, especially my mother, my biological mother, who has kept the secret, actually a toxic family secret from me, and also to come to terms with my grandmother, who I loved very much because um, when I was a child, we, 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 we were in contact. So there were a couple of things that I had to figure out over the yeah, following years, and it was not uh, easy. <laughs> Well, I, I can't even really imagine the way in which you, you're trying to process this. You discover the book about your mother, but then there's also suddenly a film about yeah. your family. You're, you're seeing talk about these issues on film, uh, and her governing story is more about her parents than it is about the child that she's given up. Uh, and, that, and that becomes... One of the tensions for you going forward. Yeah, in this book that was published about my mother, it is actually a family chronicle. She talks about uh, um, our family, but she does not mention me, which uh, was very difficult for me um, in the very beginning to deal with because I felt, you know, how um, why does she not mention me? Am I so worthless or why did she do so? So I had uh, in the beginning really... Angry feelings towards my mother. It improved with the time because um, after a while I understood that my mother is obviously my biological mother, but she's not only my mother, but she's also a woman with her own biography and she had a very difficult life. So the mere fact that she did not mention me in the book uh, was something that I cope, could cope with uh, after a while. But the other thing, this uh, were far more uh, difficult for me to to come to terms with. One of the things that was so interesting is that you, I, I mean, you could have closed this chapter in your life. You could have known about the family story and said, that's not me. I was not raised by these people. I didn't know these people, really. Uh, but you decide to go on a quest, and you actually go back to the concentration camp and you go back and you those spaces where your grandfather was tell us a little bit about what yeah. that, I think one might to, just to say that uh, because he's a person that I didn't know like a historical figure um, is uh, difficult because yes on the one hand he is a historical figure but he's also part um, of my biological family so he's part of my roots in my case, it was, I think for me, especially difficult because I found out so late and because it was family secret that was kept. And also because I had a very yeah, close connection to my grandmother and to understand that someone who I loved, um, as I did, uh, my, I loved my grandmother, to understand that she was capable to be um, uh, someone who lived with Amangard was difficult. This was the one thing. And the other uh, fact that made it, for me, especially difficult was that I have a very special relationship to um, the Jewish faith because um, I lived there for a couple of years. In my mid-twenties, I, I studied there. I studied um, Middle Eastern history and African studies in Israel. So um, I have a special relationship um, also to the survivors or to the to the Jewish side. And I, I, I felt a big need somehow to all what I learned to integrate these facts into who I thought that I was and to integrate this into my, um, yeah, my, my life. 
So I did a, a journey. Um, I, I went to Krakow. Um, this is the city, or it's a bit outside uh, the, the, the former concentration camp. And there's a memorial. And I felt the need to go there because after I found out about my biological family, I, I was so depressed that I was um, not able to function. There was a period um, right after this that I, I, I was so, I, I, I couldn't get out of bed. And I'm a mother, I have two children myself. So I knew that somehow I wanted to leave the past behind, but I understood that um, I, I, I'm, I wanted to do it in a way that would allow me um, to have a sign that I want to leave the past behind, but that I don't forget about victims. And therefore, I went to Krakow, and um, actually, I, I went to the memorial, and I wanted to say goodbye to, to the victims, which I did by, by uh, yeah, leaving flowers there. It was a bit like uh, you could uh, compare it when you go to a funeral. So you honor uh, the victims. And this was very important for me to go on with my my life and somehow, yeah, to have the I was the very closure. moved by that. I was definitely mm-hmm. very moved by that. And and one of the things that in particular struck me was this is a moment in which you're starting to negotiate. I mean, you've all grown up biracial, natural, but now you're negotiating what that means, um, knowing your history, that in a way you've been passing. I, I'm not sure if you're aware of that uh, phrase in America, many African Americans, especially during the difficult times of, of slavery, if they could, but uh, during segregation, if you were light enough to pass, mm-hmm. you, you could pass as white. And in a way, um, when you go there, you have this moment of passing where you're trying to console the life of a man who was too traumatized to live around. And you're trying to negotiate or figure out what would be right now because obviously she, she doesn't look at you and see your grandfather. <laughs> and, yes. yeah. and you're trying to figure out, like, who do you get in that moment? I just so fine. It was a very private and a very that, silent that moment for her. Mm-hmm. I couldn't yeah. hear it clearly, um, the, the last sentence. I, I thought it was just so wonderful that you were able to have that empathy in you and and make sure that she was okay in that moment and, and that there was no, re- no reason to assert this identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's part of me, but uh, although it's part of me, it doesn't say anything about my character. Um, it's something that uh, is uh, part of, um, yeah, I would say of my heritage because it's my family. But I decided that um, for me it's important to look forward and not to stuck in the past. I'm actually uh, the third generation and my mother is the second generation. And what I noticed that a lot of people of the second generation, they, they can't uh, go on. They can't leave the past behind. And I think it's very important not to forget, but you should um, yeah, somehow try to look into the future. And the final word of my book is hope. So I'd rather bring hope uh, to people than trying to, yeah, to live in the past. This was important for me. 
you write in the book, I don't think we descendants can disengage entirely from our past. It impacts us whether we like it or not. And growth, obviously in real life, but you write about it in the book, about how you learn to be able to, to recognize your own love for especially your grandmother, who is clearly, to me, a very imperfect woman. I mean, at mm-hmm. one point she talks about being, you know, we, we were all good Nazis, she says mm-hmm. at one point. Uh, and you wrestle with this difficulty of imagining her at the concentration camp and just turning a blind eye mm-hmm. to what was happening. Uh, how were you able to to reconnect love for her yeah. again, knowing yeah. about her complicity? What you just said, the words that my grandmother said, this is awful, and I don't want to repeat this. This is really um, something that one shouldn't uh, say because it's uh, not right. But for me, there was a conflict because on the one hand, I, I heard these quotes of my grandmother, and I so much reject uh, these quotes. But on the other hand, um, I knew her when I was a child, just as an ordinary um, woman, and did not know that she was the woman who lived uh, next to or on the side of Amongert uh, in, in Tlachov. So um, I needed to differentiate. So there was this feeling, this feeling that I had as a child, and which was a feeling of love, and then this feeling um, that I had afterwards um, when I when I um, found out that she was in complete denial. So I needed to combine actually these two feelings. And what I do today, I try to differentiate between my grandmother, the the private grandmother that that I had and who was very important for me in my childhood, and the public figure. And in my childhood, because I grew up in 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 an adoptive family and had limited contact to my biologic family, my grandmother played an important role in one is what one needs also to know is my mother wasn't together with my biological father after I was born. So she was in an abusive relationship with a man. So my grandmother was not only important because she was my grandmother and uh, the last uh, one of the last anchors that I had with my biological family, but she also provided me with safety as a child. So these uh, feelings that I had, love on the other side, that I had this feeling of rejecting her for for what she said and what she what she did during the war was very difficult to cope with but i think today i'm uh, in peace or at peace with it you you write in the book you say i would choose her as a grandmother again and i it's such a gracious notion because you are able to recognize the complicated well, her situation because she, uh, yes, yeah, she was complicit in being there with your grandfather, mm-hmm. but then she also had this very complicated idea in a her home in the 1960s, which seems <laughs> very uh, like a strange yeah. for a woman. I mean, obvious multitudes, you know? Mm-hmm. I think what one can see very clearly um, by analyzing my grandmother, we often talk about the perpetrators, and the perpetrators are, of course, they're very dangerous. But if you look at it from the point, like from German society during the war, we had perpetrators, but we were all, had also people who followed the system. Like, like my grandmother, after the war, she was not put on trial, trial which does not mean that uh, she was not guilty, but she was someone who supported uh, the system 
and who in other like she like my grandfather it's so easy actually to differentiate yourself because we know all that we would never have dogs uh, trained to tear humans apart but my grandmother who was a woman with so dif- different uh, characteristics and so different sides one can see in her personality it at least for me it was far more difficult um, to to differentiate myself and not uh, to identify with her and it ultimately led me to the question um, how would I behave during uh, the time uh, of the Nazi uh, past would I have been able like my grandmother to live in luxury and close my eyes uh, would I have behaved differently? So these questions were the important question in regards uh, to my grandmother. And this is something that is so complicated and actually shows us that the world is not black and white, but the world is very, very complicated. And we have to look deep inside to find answers. Answers. But Excuse I, me. I, I love that idea. And I, I love this. Um, I look, obviously, at your book through, at, through an American lens. And for me, as I, as I read the book and learned more about your story, I kept coming back to, what if we could do this in America? Because obviously, as uh, Af- African-American people, we have a very complicated relationship to the fact that, one, we all agree that uh, African-Americans are thoroughly mixed people and have been mixed because of, in large part, uh, chattel slavery and rape uh, by slave masters of their slaves, the, the enslaved women that they had. And I, I don't know if you followed this, but a few years ago, there were some people who did genealogy on Michelle Obama and discovered the story of her, I think it's her great-grandfather who was mixed race, uh, half black <laughs> and half white. And she has been completely silent about uh, claiming that ancestor. And I, I think it has in large part to do with this notion of how do you claim um, the, the very complicated identity that our forebears had being mixed race without valorizing or acknowledging the, the slave master who was also part of the bloodline and part of the heritage. And, and what your book to me is, is not necessarily a blueprint, but definitely an entryway for people who are African-American to say, what if we were to go on the same journey that you did of trying to make peace and reconcile uh, with our own difficult and complicated pasts? And, and I don't know if that resonates with you at all. No, it does. I think you're absolutely right. Yes, it is a, a subject that you can adapt to. It's, it's, yeah, you can see it also from this angle. Absolutely. Um, what, what do you hope people walk away with? I mean, it, it's not as if it's, uh, you know, it's a stranger than fiction kind of story. It's, uh, it, hopefully people aren't experiencing this in their lives, but what, what is the, the thing that you hope people walk away with, the question or the thought or idea after they read this book, as opposed to just being horrified and shocked <laughs> that this has happened and that this has happened yeah. in your life. <laughs> That's true. No, it, I, I hope that people can relate on different levels. And I think, as you said, there are so many topics that I cover 
Um, maybe just the, the mere fact uh, that I am half black. So the question of identity: Who are? Who am I? Or who are we? Who? Um, what? What defines us? Is uh, certainly a point that I want to make. Um, but I also think it's important that with the difficult upbringing that I experienced, that one can see that you're not a prisoner to the past, uh, not at all, that you for yourself um, can change your life and actually you can have a positive life. Whatever happened to you, when you work it through, you, you have to, 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 even if the feelings are difficult, um, but you have to go through things. You just can't hide things in the closet. They will always come out. <laughs> so this yes. is something that I learned. That I think this is also important for other people to know. And uh, in regard to my um, grandmother, maybe that the world is very complex and that there are no easy answers and that one has to look um, very deep uh, inside and uh, always uh, try to... Yeah, to analyze things. Yeah, to what find the right the response in the retirement lady? Has it been positive? I, are you now the, the main Afro-German that people go to for answers and for things in, in the world? And, and does that change the landscape of identity there? Um, I'm not sure, but I hope so. Yes, I hope so. I don't know if people perceive me as German because of my of the color of my skin. So I think, uh, at least myself, we started with the question, what is my identity? Um, I am German, but I see myself as a global citizen, and um, I can relate to, to human um, in general. It's not so connected to nationality, to race, or to gender. No, it's just uh, being human, so we are all human, and I think on this level we should connect. I, I think we have to end it there, because I think that is so true, that it is as complicated as it is, but we're left with just each other, with uh, the fact that we're connected as human beings. And, and I just and maybe, I have to say maybe that I one more, one more, one more uh, sentence, and to embrace diversity. Yeah? Not to yes. see it as a danger, but embrace it. Yes, absolutely. Well, I love the way you, it's not a danger, but something that you should embrace. Um, you're about to go on this giant book tour of the United States. Uh, you're in New Jersey tomorrow, and then you kind of crisscross the entire country. Um, I, I will make sure that I have a link up with those dates, but people can find you in Austin and Kansas City and Seattle and Cambridge and Georgia. Wow. <laughs> I traveled everywhere. the whole country and I'm so excited to meet people because some authors, they don't like to mingle and writing is a very lonely profession, but I love to get engaged with people and I'm so curious how the book is going to be perceived and what people think and to discuss with them. So I'm very excited that this book tour finally starts. I, I am too. I will make sure I put a link up to all the dates so that our listeners have those dates. And gosh, Jennifer, thank you so much for this book and for telling this complicated story and and offering a way for us to try to start our own journeys of healing as we make as we make amends and peace with the past that we each have that is very difficult in many ways. Yeah. Um, well, have fun in in the U.S. on your tour. Uh, I'm hoping I, I might be able to see you somewhere, but I'm not sure. 
you're going quite quickly everywhere. Uh, but definitely I hope our listeners will go and check you out. And, and again, thank you so much. The book is My Grandfather Would Have Shot Me, A Black Woman Discovers Her Family's Nazi Past. And it's out now in hardcover and as uh, an e-book. So check it out. Thanks so much, Jennifer. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow. Um, seriously, you have to read this book. It's it's wonderful. It's disturbing, um, and it's hopeful. It is hopeful, as as she said in the end, because this is a, a woman who is wrestling with the unimaginable. I mean, literally the unimaginable to to discover that your grandfather is a mass murderer, and that you would have been not in his favor for for many reasons, right? And for her to be able to come to terms with what does that mean to have that piece of her past and and claim it without damaging her own self-esteem and self-worth. I really do think it's a it's a lesson that I hope that we can learn, in particular as descendants of African Americans who have endured so much violence uh, and yet part of our ancestry is part of the, the people who perpetrated the violence. And so what, what does that mean ultimately? And how do we get to the same kind of healing that Jennifer was able to get to? Uh, I'll, I'll go on and on about this book. I just really loved it. My grandfather would have shot me. A black woman discovers her family's Nazi past, Jennifer T. Okay. Thank you guys for joining us this week. We're back again next week with another fantastic, fantastic guest. We have the Pulitzer Prize-winning poet Tracy K. Smith here to talk about her new memoir, Ordinary Light, which also is a wonderful book. My name is Heidi Durow. I'd love to hear from you, Heidi at HeidiWDurow.com. And if, uh, if you know, as usual, you can always download the show on iTunes. And we're live every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern. Thanks so much for joining me, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye-bye.